welcome to Joygasmic Shorts, a power-packed experience to give you the best out of our interviews. If you're back for more, remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us reach more people and create our shared dream of an enlightened planet. Thank you so much. Enjoy the short. So tell me about your personal sense of connection with the natural world and, and what helped foster that. Yeah. Um... I mean, I think to a huge part, it was my parents um, and like having our family holidays to be based around nature. We go hiking, we go camping. Like, I think that makes a huge difference in how how kids interact with nature. Um, I was totally cool with it up until about 13 and then I became wildly uh, upset about being in nature and being forced to park at the top of mountains. <laughs> like most teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was stupid. Um, but then in my like mid twenties, um, definitely, came back to the sense of nature and and in my early and mid-20s I was experiencing quite a bit of mental health issues um that have since resolved which is great uh but in that time it was like nature was peaceful it was quiet there was nobody talking to me there but there was nobody judging me there was nobody um except myself right but there was like right. there was nobody else, uh to sort of fear or interact with and so mm -hmm. I spent long long periods of time um, under bridges in, in sort of the provincial park nearby, uh, would be like a state park in the US. Mm. Um, uh, or it, I found a little glen that was like really beautiful and I could see, I, I was there in the summer and then I'd be there in the winter as well because I, I just needed to get out of the house. I mean, I was uh, living with my parents in my mm. early 20s because I had my son early and um, I just needed to get away from them as well. Love them a lot, but like needed to get away from right. them. And so, I would just like bring all my snow gear, my hand, my mittens, my snow pants, <laughs> my jacket, my hat, my you know, balaclava up to here, and I would go sit in the forest in the in the snow. Um, and I would see these places where the deer hollows, like where the deer had slept and they'd melted the ice in the snow some. Um, and and I would just feel like, oh, like somebody else is here, but they're they're just deer, you know, and, and it felt like a really beautiful place, and I hung up some fabrics in the woods and like moved the branches around so it was my own sort of little space and kind of care took it like it was my own you know house away from the house it didn't have a roof or anything but it was right. it was the space that I and I, in the winter I could see like nobody else was going there because I could see my footprints from last time and I could see the fresh snow since and I could see that like really I was the only human being who was there and um, that that was like one of the first places that really felt safe to me um, during that time. So that really uh, created an appreciation. And I continued to go back to that space for years after that sort of initial, like, oh, I can I can be here. Um, I can be myself here. I can sing here. I can talk out loud here. And nobody's going to look at me like I'm yeah. weird. I can, I can, you know, make art with the, the dead trees or move the live branches around and just sort of like, you know, tinker and, and create. And that was really, that was really nourishing to me. So, yeah. And so you just, you did this intuitively without being told you should do this or anything like that. Yeah. But it just seemed like a, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to make the space I was in a little bit yeah, better than it was before and, and more like something that I, that made me feel really safe and, Right. 
that's really fascinating because there's this this concept uh, within the the modern nature connection movement, if you will, of a sit spot. And I'm sure you, maybe you've heard of that since since then. But um, a sit spot is a place that you go in nature, and it's like your place, and you mm. keep track of what's going on. You know, you try to visit it daily if you can, and you know, there's just so many benefits. Of course, the the mental health and wellness benefits, and then um, you know, just learning about the natural world and what's there and all that kind of stuff. But it's just so fascinating because I feel like, and it's often talked about with this practice that we did that intuitively and naturally as kids, oftentimes we had a little spot, like a little, a little nook under the tree or, you know, whatever, that was our spot, whether it was inside or outside. And uh, so it's just kind of fun to hear that, you know, when you were in a place where you felt like you were in need of some sort of solace or, you know, comfort or whatever that, you know, you reverted to that childlike um, desire to to have a place of your own and to make it your own and and got yeah. the, the, the wellness benefits of that. That's really fun. Yeah, um, I had no idea that was like a... You know, it's a thing, yeah. Thing or a thing that people <laughs> sort of talked about and is a sit spot. And uh, that's great. I'm going to look that up a little bit. Yeah. I did want to add, there was like, there was something um, really magical about that spot for me, other than the sitting there. And that was part of like how I approached it. Mm. Um, so uh, there was a, a, you know, it was a valley with like a, a main path, like a gravel path that ran through it and a paved path somewhere else in the valley. And so there was like main thoroughfares and it was relatively close to those um, and, and relatively like close to places where people walked frequently mm. above and below because it's sort of on the side of the hill. Um, but when I left the main path, there was there's sort of this like ritual of like approaching the place that I would always tell the same story. And I would go, okay, now I'm leaving the, the beaten path. Now I'm crossing into my glade. Now I'm stepping over the, the old logs that represent my past. Now I'm um, climbing the hill and facing death because there was this one place where like a, there was a tree that had fallen. I had to walk, I didn't have to walk under it, but the path went under it and I would right. like, I used to walk under the path and be like, I'm facing my fear of death right now. And, um, and then there was like sort of a last place where there was a path that kind of ran through it, but nobody really went up. They went like across and I was like, and this is the area that's like just mine. And, <laughs> um, and like, and only I know that it's here and only I can enter this space, something like that. And, um, and then when I left, I would leave a different way. I wouldn't come back in the same way. I would go a different way out and I would go, okay, my, like my path is still safe. My path is still secret. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know that that was like a really important part for me about like how I entered the space is like, uh, we talk about like leaving the normal world and entering sort of a more magical, magical thinking space or leaving the sort of society, culture, civilized right. world and, and entering into like the wild animal or the, the primal primitive part of right. myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that was an important part of that journey. I'm thinking about other times I lived in the same city, but further away from that spot. And I lived for like two or three years in Calgary, that same city, without really finding something that had that same feeling to me. Mm -hmm. And then going back to that same spot later, you know, and being like, oh, like I am not the same woman who needed this spot so badly. And I wow. don't really want to come back to this spot anymore. I want to find a different one that represents something new for me. Um, and just thinking about the, the space here that I feel like a little bit connected with, but it doesn't have that journey to get to it sort of in the same way. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking for me that that like the journey and sort of like the 
leaving the normal world and entering that magical world is like part of what made that space so nurturing. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's funny because there's another practice in there that's well known that you developed and it's practiced among the Australian Aborigines and it's called the song line. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, but essentially a song line, um, and I might butcher describing it, but I'll do my best. Um, these, uh, it's this tradition within groups of people, especially within the area that they inhabit, you know, their territory, so to speak, where they, they, they teach these kids growing up the song line. And it's basically a story and, and, woven into that story is different descriptions of features on the landscape where they're at and then mm -hmm. as part of kind of a rite of passage at some point these young people um they they're they're pushed out into you know onto the land to have their rite of passage to to be alone and to to do their journey so to speak and as they do their journey they recite this song line to themselves and the song line is basically a, a map. It's a map for them right. to know where to go next and what what they'll find there. You know, this is where you find water. This is where you find shelter. This, you know, those kinds of things. And so, these song lines are very, very. And I need to do more research on them as well. But um, but they're extremely important parts of Australian Aboriginal tradition and culture. And that's exactly what you did. You made your own song line, you know, and, and of course it wasn't for the purpose of trying to find something, but it was stories that you told yourself about the land that not only referred to the land itself, but talked about your inner landscape and the things mm. that you were trying to deal with and face and, you know, yeah. and, and find comfort from. So that's so yeah. fun. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 If I think about it, um, like during that time, uh, uh, like like I said, mental health stuff was an issue, and so like taking my own life was something that I was wrestling with as a concept, and mm -hmm. and so I hadn't just until now when you said that I was like, oh yeah, like facing my fear of death and like leaving that behind me as I entered into the space, like how friggin' powerful Absolutely. is that for me to have a space where I can feel that way? Right. Wow. A big mission to end family trauma in this generation, and so I'm working with conscious moms to create a powerful change where we can become bulletproof, where we have no triggers, where our children cannot touch us, no matter what they throw at us, so that we can be the kind of moms that we needed and the kind of moms that we want to be for this new generation so that we can end rape, we can end trauma, we can end neglect, we can end sexual shame, we can end consumerism, we can end screen addiction, we can end all of these things by how we choose to parent and how we show up in the world. So I invite you to be here on this journey with me and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the other side so get your name and email in that box and join me on this journey it's going to be an incredible seven days where you are guided every day to understand how to create better habits how to not give up and how to implement the 60 second hack to rewire your brain so that you know that no matter what's happening you'll come back to a loving place fast love you I'll see you on the other side moment.